This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Always a wonderful conversation getting our friends from Robert Half on the show. Uh, and as I said to you earlier, hoping to have at least once a month where we chat with them and learn about their recent studies and surveys. Uh, and there's just a variety of things that they do research on and then bring that information to us along with some healthy tips and uh, tricks to go along with the information. I'm Ramia Amuddin here with Daniel McLaughlin, who, speaking of which, has generously offered us a bonus Know Your Rights conversation. And this is a bit of a part two on a convo we had last week on Ontario's public health crisis. So let's talk Know Your Rights. Let's examine questions that can't be answered by a simple yes or no. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, when we talk about how freedoms collide on Know Your Rights. So, Danielle, we talk about Wednesday vibes and how Wednesdays make us feel, and then we throw everybody off by bringing in a little bit of Monday into our Wednesday. Um, but very important discussion here and the the angle of rights as well um, from your knowledge. Well, you know, this is, a, in my opinion, a very important issue. Last week, uh, we heard from nurse Leslie DePoe about how the problems with healthcare in Ontario are so interrelated. Um, and one of the big issues is the, the lack of nurses uh, available to care for people who are ill and other people who are also healthcare providers um, and employed by the Ontario Public Health. Uh, one of the big issues is uh, Bill 124. It's a piece of legislation that has capped the wages of nurses and other uh, similar workers in in healthcare at 1% annually. Now, you may have noticed that the cost of living is going up exponentially. It's really huge. I mean, all you have to do is go to the grocery store for an hour and you'll, you'll discover that something you paid $2 for several months ago is $4 today. Um, but this legislation is saying, despite the cost of living, nurses cannot expect, and, and, and other people in that category cannot expect to receive more than a 1% annual increase despite what they may what they may feel they they need um what are health caregivers saying about this legislation well they're saying a lot actually in fact they're saying so much they're taking it to court because they feel that it is unfair and that it is an unreasonable um limit to several of their constitutional rights one of the rights that we have, uh, according to our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, is the right to association. And um, that doesn't just mean you get to hang out with people who are like you, although it does mean that. It means that you can form associations or, in some cases, unions. And you do this for a purpose. You don't just do it you know, so that you can join the bowling league. You do it so that people can get together and bargain collectively. It's one thing to go to your boss and say, you know, I've been working for you for 20 years and I really think you should be paying me more. It's quite another to say everybody in my category of employment 
is being treated unfairly and we haven't seen raises that are um, reasonable for the work we do and the cost of living, that group of people will have a lot more clout because one of the things that we know unions have as a tool is the right to strike. So, you know, if they there's a threat that says, uh, we're going to go out on a strike if you don't um, provide us what, with what we require, there's a great incentive for employers to bargain, to say, okay, well, we, we may not be able to afford to give you everything you want, but maybe we can give you some of what you want. And then that's how collective bargaining takes place. It, it, it's a, you know, the hope is that there will, after the a period of time and, and much discussion, be a consensus where the, the association or the union can then vote and decide whether what they've been offered is a fair offer or, or an unfair offer. And that's very much part of democracy. Um, the Nurses Association has claimed that because of the cap on their salaries, people have been quitting in droves. Nurses ha- have been quitting, particularly hospitals. One of the things that nurses have been able to do is um, be hired by uh, firms that provide temporary nurses, so uh, agencies, nursing agencies. The nursing agencies can charge the hospitals, and in this case it means the government, quite a lot more than the nurses themselves as individuals or members of the nursing association can do, which the nurses who are still employed uh, as regular nurses in in a hospital setting are saying, well, you know, how come they can do that and we can't do that? And the answer is, well, we've capped your wages. Um, For some people, this is, uh, in, in the view of some people, this looks like a conflict of interest. Because the government is the the body that pays the nurses and also the body that's capping the wages. So it is to the benefit of the government to spend as little money as they possibly can. Who is harmed by this other than the nurses is, of course, the patients. And the patients are saying, well, you know, it, it's very nice that you have all this lovely furniture in your hospital and you say you have plenty of beds. The beds aren't the issue. The The issue is people to staff the beds. That that would be, by and large, nurses. So to have the right to collective bargaining is, in fact, protected by law. So, you know, we have had a number of cases um, where, uh, for example, the RCMP said that they wanted to form a union and uh, policing unions uh, had not previously been been uh, permitted because of also some serious issues about the you know the the um, importance of the, of their role and that you can't have them strike because if police police strike you can see what will happen there um, but it went through the courts and they did have the right to form a union the government in Ontario is saying well while we've capped the salaries, uh, of people covered by by Bill 124, they still have the right to collective bargaining. They just can't bargain about their salaries. Now, salaries tend to be the most important thing that people bargain about. They 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 certainly do bargain for benefits and hours and you know other things, other structures uh, of employment. But 
if you don't have enough money to live on, all of those other things start looking a bit like frills and, you know, you, you may be able to, to bargain on them, but it's not going to really have the same kind of significance that being able to increase your, your wages or, or your rate of pay will have. One of the um, big concerns that many people have mentioned is nursing is a profession that is largely dominated by women. And in the view of some right. people, this bill is specifically discriminatory against women. It's saying, well, you know, we can pay uh, police officers more. They, you know, we, we've, you know, we've, we've carved out a, a way of making sure that even though they're employed by the province, um, that they will get more money. And police officers, as we know, uh, is that's, that's a profession that is largely dominated by men. Not that there aren't women police officers or male nurses, that there are both, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's the, the largest group. So some people are saying, well, this is clearly an act of discrimination. You don't care as much about a, a woman's workplace as you do a men's workplace. And they're also pointing out that when there's a situation where people are leaving the healthcare professions, the people who suffer um, tend to be people who don't have money to be able to hire private duty nurses themselves, and also people who live with disabilities, because many people need um, ongoing nursing care, that nursing um, care in the home, or uh, nurses who provide assistance to people living with disabilities are, you know, this is crucial to being able to live, you know, a, a life that is safe and healthy. So we have a lot of questions about this this particular bill the big one right now is when it goes to court will it be considered unconstitutional and i don't know the answer to this particular question but ramya in your view do you think that this bill discriminates against women and that's a really um you know fair point to ask that danielle but you know it's I wonder too. Like I wonder if it's the case to to think of it that way because you said it's a it's a female and women dominated um profession and also along with all the other caregiving that we know majority of women do, right? Like in the last segment we talked about work life balance and all these different things, but um it it feels like that's a very uh limited conversation in terms of the kinds of um professions that women can take part in and if you're a nurse and you know along with the the hours and the kinds of things that nurses have to deal with already in the workplace um do we consider you know how much stress they take home and then have to bring home to their personal life uh, yeah. along with everything else so I, there is just so much and i think there's so many layers talking to leslie last week um, and and her perspectives and her own opinions as well, um, along with the information that she shared, it, to to wonder, you know, how how stressful people are in this position, um, and how much more stressful things can get. Well, these these are terribly important questions. You know, the kinds of questions that that the court will be likely 
to look at is, you know, if we say this is discriminatory, is it justifiable? You know, if we say that um, when the government saves money uh, by paying nurses less, is this beneficial to everybody because it, you know, it, it, it means that none of us is spending as much money because of our taxes. So, you know, will we say that that's a reasonable limit to, um, a, to, an, to a, a conflict of interest with the, with the governments being, you know, both the giver and the taker, so, so to speak. Um, you know, are they actually bargaining in good faith? This is another question that, you know, we will find. If you say, well, you have the right to form an association, nobody's stopping you from, say, forming a nurses association. It's, you know, it's just that... Um, you get you don't get to do a whole lot of stuff. So, you know, you can form an association to achieve workplace goals like uh, deciding how long you get for lunch or, um, you know, whether you have to wear a certain kind of uniform. Those things you can still you can still deal with that sort of stuff. Um, you know, is 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 the court going to look at that and say, well, so we're not really interfering with the charter right Um we don't know what the court's going to say about this. Uh, it's it's a very difficult situation because these are all very sort of legalistic arguments. Right. And um, what we're really looking at as people who live in the community is the effect. So, exactly. you know, we're saying, wait a minute, I don't care what you call it. I don't care which rights you say you are infringing or you're not infringing. I want to make sure that if I have to go into the ICU, that there are enough ICU trained mm -hmm. nurses to, to help save my life. You know, I want to know that, um, you know, when I'm admitted to hospital, that whatever ward I'm on will have enough nurses to ensure that something terrible doesn't happen to me um, mm -hmm. or somebody Quality I of love. Care. Right. is a big thing that Leslie talked about last week absolutely. and how it's absolutely depleting um, because of this. And it's just, you know, that's scary to think about, especially considering clearly more of us are going to the hospital more often. Yeah, well, particularly with the pandemic, of course, exactly. you know, and, and, and it seems very strange that for a period of time, the government found some extra money to give nurses uh, when they deemed that they were working harder, well, they haven't stopped working harder. No. The pandemic has is with us. If you uh, look at the statistics that the New York Times published today, um, Canada is not doing very well as far as the uh, COVID statistics are are concerned. And because of that, because we know lots of people are going to hospital, um, we need those nurses. You know, if if you are creating a situation where somebody can, you know, work at Walmart for more money than they can in, in a hospital, um, you know, they're going to take that job at Walmart because they don't have to bring it home at night and they don't have to worry about their own health to the extent that they would uh, working in a hospital. And they don't have to take the kind of flack that uh, many nurses are finding themselves up against with, you know, frustrated and angry patients who've been waiting hours and hours and hours in an emergency, um, mm -hmm. you know. So, and also, you know, are we going to say, well, listen, physicians, firefighters, police officers, they haven't been affected by this. Um, these are largely men. 
in those particular uh, situations. So, you know, are we going to say, well, that's okay because, you know, everybody knows women have husbands and and who really pay the bills, which is, you know, the sort of 1940s way or 1950s way of of looking at how you pay people. Um, You know, are we going to say, well, you know, so often when we're in a crisis situation, people will have this kind of knee-jerk reflex that says, well, let's go back to the old ways of doing things as if they ever worked, Very as if there true. was anything good about it. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, you see it in education all the time where they say, well, you know, the kids are really having difficulty learning. Let's go back to, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic when we know that all the things that have been called frills, in quotes, are the things that actually help them learn and actually increase the amount of learning. And I, I'm just afraid that we're we're looking at a very difficult situation, and um, I think we should keep our eyes on this very closely. Yeah, yeah. When there's a, a limited amount of time and a limited amount of resources, um, we have, as you said, these knee jerk reactions or um, think you know, something's got to get done. So let's just revert yeah. back to the old ways. But um, we are in a way better place right now in terms of understanding and acknowledging that those um, old ways just can't work. They don't work. We, a lot of us, are, um, we have stronger voices now. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you, Ramia. That was uh, Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin on a Wednesday. We're going to wrap up the show after the break. Find out what's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Now with Dave Brown. And I'll give you a sneak peek of tomorrow's Kelly and Company episode as well. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.